Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to Steam Cleaners, a podcast as part of the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. Uh, I am very excited, as always, uh, to be joined by my lovely co-host, Walter Fedchuk. How you doing, buddy? Listen, I am having a great day. Uh, we have Inside Baseball just completed uh, recording one of the movie ep- uh, movie podca- podcasts, Final Cut. Uh, went, grabbed some water, uh, and I am ready to talk about video games. Those are sort of the two great mediums of our time, movies and video games. Yeah, that is what this whole Steam Cleaners podcast is all about. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our episode last week in which I talked about Super Mega Baseball and Walter got to share his thoughts on what was it you were playing, Walter, last time around? Uh, the competitive dating simulator Monster Prom. Of course. And those were great games. Games that we are not going to talk about in this podcast because every week of Steam Cleaners is going to be two completely different games that both of us have been up to in our spare time. Now, Walter, what is it you've been playing? So when we started this uh, this whole project, I had like a number of games that I wanted to get to right at the start of them. I had like, you know, four or five that I put on Twitter and I was going to stream some um, and obviously stream Monster Prom. And then I streamed a little bit of this game and then I just haven't streamed since then because of the holidays and just the reality of things is that uh, I have been playing a lot of League of Legends just because it's been a new season. And a lot of my friends that don't necessarily live near where I live have been playing League of Legends. So I hop on on my days off with them, play with them for a few hours, and then I haven't had a lot of time uh, to play other things. I'm still also trying to get through Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Neither of those games are the games I'm actually going to talk about today because we are going to be talking about going under a roguelike video game developed uh, by AgroCrab and published by Team17. Um, Boy, this is this has been a lot of fun. I have really, really enjoyed this game. Uh, like I said, it's a roguelike brawler. Um, that the like base plot is that you are an intern that has been hired by this massive conglomerate called the uh, called Cubicle, and uh, like any intern, uh, you apply for a position and you think you're going to be working in your field, and instead you are sent to the basement to do combat with monsters uh, that are the former employees of failed startups that the corporation has acquired and you never get to work on marketing which you just spent four years of your life in college and going into like $250,000 worth of debt to get. So uh, yeah, the premise of it was really fun. Uh, it was uh, it was released back uh, in September of 2020. It's kind of been on the uh, the backlog for me for a while, hence why I decided to play it. Um, I've seen a, like a couple of like YouTubers touch on it a couple times, but never really got too deep into it. And uh, after about 10 hours into it, I am about two thirds of the way through. Um, like any roguelike, you're constantly going back to levels you've already done. And at this point, um, have gone through the levels one time. And then you fight kind of like a, a mid-boss um, that, you know, is the guy who hired you, essentially. And now you're doing kind of a second run through those same dungeons. And now the monsters in them are more powerful. Now there's, you know, a larger variety of monsters. They'll have, um, like, sh- you know, special boosts or shields or everything. The bosses at the end of those dungeons are slightly different. And I will admit... Um, 
I actually thought I was almost done with the game. And then when I, you know, pulled stuff up and I kind of did one last uh, little run here to try and beat one of the, the dungeon bosses that I hadn't yet on the second run through right before we started recording, I noticed and was like, oh, crap, there's an entire third of this game that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, um, you know, that's the funny thing with roguelikes, right, is that it's hard for you to gauge. I, I suppose in a game like Hades, right, like you knew what you needed to do to win a run, but you win your first run and you realize like, oh, that's not the end of this game, is it? And you you don't even realize like until you beat it the 10th time that like, oh, that's what I had to do to get to the the credits, right? Or or you look it up to figure out what it takes to get to the end of the credits. Yeah, I mean that too. Look, Wikipedias are a lovely thing and we appreciate all of the fine people uh, that spend time updating uh, all of these... Uh, little details for uh, no uh, money of their own uh, for preserving this valuable information for generations to come. Sort of like an Um, unpaid intern. Sort of like an unpaid intern. Now, you and I have both uh, been a part of of startups before. Uh, Did it, did did the humor hit? Was it it, uh, something that you could uh, enjoy or was it too close to home? Oh boy, did the humor hit because fuck the crypto level. <laughs> uh, so the three dungeons are are, are failed startups um, that the tropes of them are very, very simple. Obviously, I just said fuck the crypto one because there is one that is like crypto based. And I'll get into why fuck it in a little bit. Um, there's another one that it's a dating app. Uh, it is a failed dating app. Um, and that um, the setting for that is all it's, you know devils and kind of it's very like hyper sexualized pink um the the monsters are sort of modeled on like creep stereotypes that you would find kind of on these these you know swipe right dating sites uh and then the third one is a a gig site called joblins and they're all goblins that you hire to do jobs that you don't want to do uh, which, living in the hellscape of, uh, you know, the past two years with COVID-19, theoretically, you could have hired one of these joblins to go stand in line at a COVID testing facility for you. Oh, wait. So- people were actually doing that in New York City. <sighs> that did happen. <laughs> so, so these goblins aren't just like, they're not monsters that are transformed due to some magical thing that involves the plot. Like, in this world, goblins just exist. Well, no. So without giving away too much of the plot, that is actually what the plot is, is that the employees that are these monsters are the former employees. It's the former, you know, the boss that you fight is the former founder of the startup. Uh, You know, whatever, you know, sensor, you know, reason that they come up with. I assume that they're goblins because this startup was called Joblin. Um, yeah, that would do it. They don't say that it was corrupted, like that the name of the co- company was corrupted or everything. Like when it's referred to, it's always referred to as, you know, Joblin or the dating app was Winky Dinks or uh, the cryptocurrency was called Stixcoin. Uh, it was all, it's always referred to as by those names. So theoretically you go, okay, well then that's why the monsters are then, you know, corrupted into, into goblins. Um, so yeah, it, it's fun. It's, it's a brawler. It's just like a straight up brawler. And there's, you know, dodge mechanics is a large variety of weapons, there's skills, there's the prerequisite, you know, um, 
mentors so your co-workers you build relationships with them and they give you access to perks in the dungeon um you know that are very specific um one of the mentors is obviously the owner of uh, a fizzle uh which is the company that you work for and like the very first perk that he gives you is when you go into a shop you can use the company credit card and buy something more expensive than the money that you have yeah that's something that happens in a lot of startups (laughs) they spend more money than they take in um Another one. No. <laughs> uh, another one is that the the flavor, the the you know guy that's in charge of the flavor, the R and D uh, type stuff. Um, in the dungeons, there will just be random cans of fizzle, and they those all have different uh, abilities that you you know happen when you use them. Um, he was actually one of the co-owners, but then decided he just wanted to focus on the flavor and didn't really care about running things. You have the prequisite developer who is overworked and is told to make, you know, the, the sun shine out of the owner's ass and, and obviously is impossible. So they're very jaded. Of course, uh, they are accompanied by their lovable dachshund eclair. Yes, you can form a relationship with her. And yes, she has her own business card. Um that which was is, very important when I was watching the stream, is that yes. you made sure to pet the dog before every run, which yes. is the only way to play games like this for the yes. run. Yes. Uh, and actually for the, the the developer, one of her relationship like goals that you have to do is that you actually have to take a, the dog on a walk uh, in one of the dungeons, which uh, it, it basically she is um, like chain gang to you essentially, and she slows you down while you're moving through. But it doesn't matter because you have this lovely little dachshund traveling with you into the pits of despair. Uh, and then uh, other two characters, uh, uh, other than the guy who hires you, which isn't a relationship building character, but you have um, the the financial officer, and she's got to you know try and keep the spending in touch, and everything kind of related with her is sort of finance and money based. Uh, and then because you are a a soda company, you obviously in your building have a soda stand. Uh, where uh, you have a guy that's working there and you can make a relationship with him. And I love his uh, first like perk that you get from him because when you go into a shop, he just steals one of the items for you. Um, so they're sort of the like, hey, you can get a really powerful skill or um, like an extra heart or you know something for free basically when you go into the shop every time, um, which can be handy. There's been a few runs where I've like gone through and he's gotten me you know, I didn't have any money, but I was on half a heart and he got me, you know, a two heart heal, which then pushed me through the rest of the run. Um, so, yeah, it's it's got all the hallmarks of just like every roguelike and it's wrapped into a brawler system, which um, for the most part, I'm a button masher. So it's nice not to have like these like ridiculous mechanics that I need to worry about. Um, but... <sighs> I say fuck the crypto level because that's the level I've had the absolute hardest time with. Um, I'm currently going through like the second dungeon run. Uh, Jabla and I, the first time I went through it, the second time I beat the boss on the very first run, the the uh, dating app, it took me four tries to beat the boss. And the cryptocurrency, I am on try 13 and I still haven't beaten the boss. In fact, I almost beat the boss right before we started recording and died with one hit left on him. Um, and I, I would say that's the weakest level to me, not from like, not from style, like standpoint, like I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea. They're all skeletons and they're mining for this, you know, sticks coin, the river sticks, ha ha ha. Um, but the levels are just very, um, I would say that they are very 
claustrophobic the floors that you go onto. There are a lot of like barriers and things kind of blocking you. And out of all the levels, they seem to be like the monsters are just like damage soakers and just a pain in the ass to deal with. And just I don't have any weapons on that level that really sort of mesh with me. Um, so it's it's like frustrating. It's it's I definitely hit kind of a wall there that has. I, I don't want to say killed my enjoyment of the game because I we're going to finish recording and I'm still probably going to hop on and play it for like a half hour. Um, but yeah, like it's fun. It's a really good game. And I know it's a really good game because I played it on stream that one day and then I didn't play it for maybe almost two weeks, maybe like a week and a half. And I played it on one of my days off for a couple hours. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Cause I was like, okay, I need to get more time into it to be able to discuss it. And then the next day I was at work and one of the songs all of a sudden got stuck in my head and just like, just, just a little, you know, 30 second piece of it. And the entire time that I was sitting at work with the song stuck in my head, I was like, Oh shit, I really want to play some going under. <laughs> and well, that's the, Go, go ahead, go ahead, because I just talked for a long I was just period say, of time. When, when you get uh, the the games like roguelikes, right? The the just one more run angle is what you really need for a roguelike to work. You need it to be original enough with each time that you have that itch to get back into it. And I I was gonna say uh, something about this game that was striking uh, that we haven't had a chance to talk about as much yet is just the the sound design and the color of it. It's visually very striking compared to a lot of other games that I, I've watched just because, um, you know, it uses a lot of like vibrant blues and purples and it's very colorful in a way that I think is a really smart choice. A absolutely. And that's the thing is that all three of the levels are so different in their color schemes and in their monsters. And there is a very unique identity between Joblin and Winky Dinks and Sticks Coin um, that... I definitely am like drawn to wanting to play Joblin and Winky Dinks a lot more, not just because like, oh, they're easier for me to deal with or there's weapons in there that I like better. It's just that sort of pattern, I that sort of color scheme and everything is really enjoyable to me. And the music that they have in there is a lot of fun. Whereas, you know, the, the Sticks coin, I, it does. It sort of does remind me of some of the um, startup tropes that i've had to interact with in my own career that i didn't like so much and i the music is very uh electronic in like an edm kind of way that i i i'm not really a big edm kind of fan um but i would say that like the craziest thing to me is that um this game is on all you know the three major consoles and on on steam uh, it's 20 bucks on steam i'd say it's 100 percent worth it i'm pretty sure i got it on sale during the winter sale um this game feels i played it on computer but just playing it on computer with a gamepad like i did this feels perfect for the switch this feels like a perfect game to have downloaded and if you're on a commute on a subway on a bus whatever the levels are pretty snappy i think you know you could probably finish a level in like 15 minutes if you're you know going at a pretty good pace um even if that like if you're failing you're you know you're probably failing you know five like 10 minutes into the level um like i said right before we hopped on i i hopped on and was playing um 
playing the sticks coin level one more time just try to try to beat the boss um, before we recorded and I think that took me like 20 minutes to go from start to the boss and I wasn't even like really pushing myself to like speed through it um <laughs> let's see I will, I, I will say um I, I thought it was interesting it doesn't seem like you can pick your weapons and kind of plan for that in advance the same way that like Hades does right it's a little bit more improvised based so on what, what yeah so the the weapons that you're using it has a durability system so the weapons that you're getting across the level are breaking at times um I've kind of gotten to the point where there's a, a couple of weapons that as you're playing through that I'll try to hold on for the boss levels in particularly um you have three si- slots that you can cycle through as you're picking up weapons uh, weapons and some of them will be upgraded some of them will be you know downgraded so they're more brittle have less durability um, prior to the level, you're picking your mentor, so those sort of perk abilities from your the relationships that you've built, and then you're picking skills, um, which you also acquire the skills throughout the run, and then once you have acquired them a certain amount of times, um, that's like a percentage bar, so it's probably for how long you've had it throughout the level. Um, once you max that out to 100%, then you can pick to just start the, um, the level with that skill. Um, there is of course one skill that if you die, you get up, you know, back up again. And I know in Hades in particular, I exploited that a lot, um, to get my first couple of runs through. I think I only picked that skill once and that was the very first time I beat the Joblin boss. And then after that, I got the, um, I got, there's one that it's like a buzzsaw that goes around you. And I just grabbed that because that really helps you run through runs. Although, on the sticks coin level the second time through just because they absorb so much damage it just doesn't seem very efficient um but yeah so it kind of does suck when you have a weapon that you really like and then it breaks on you you know two two uh, rooms before you get to a boss sure but um I feel like I really haven't been punished just playing sort of a uh, button masher style I still feel like I can grab any weapon and once you have played it enough and you do figure out sort of the monster's attack patterns, there is a dodge mechanic and you can you can get through it. I mean, it's not a very difficult game and there is a like assist option um, that is very, very generous. It can change the amount of hearts you start with. It can make the minions hit less. It can give you more skills. It can increase the weapon durability. It's a, it's a pretty nuanced um, assist system to get you through the game. I I just haven't turned it on because I really haven't felt the need to up until this this one level. And even then, I'm still getting pretty close to the end of it without any assistance. So yeah, if I really wanted to see the end of the game, may I, I might throw it on just so I can get past this one little part. Um, but otherwise, it's a really fun game. It's definitely worth 20 bucks. If you get it on sale, like even more power to you. Um, and if you have a switch, like I definitely give it a look then because it's it's a lot of fun and it's really bright. It's really colorful. It's got a good soundtrack and it's just a really enjoyable gaming experience. I honestly I, I'm very interested in having both heard all of this and having watched you play it on stream before. Um, I also just have to note. The name of the studio is Agro Crab Games, which is just a great name for a studio. Um, uh, apparently, the game unfortunately struggled a little bit uh, with sales, such that they weren't able to finish all the DLC stuff that they originally had planned for it. So, hey, 
great chance to support an indie developer doing good stuff and uh, hopefully help them uh, fund their next game, whatever that ends up being. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a little bummer that there's not additional content to it. But like, like I said, I put about 10 hours into it and I'm just about two thirds of the way through. So I'm still excited to see what the last third of the game has in store. And um, yeah, absolutely. What else comes next from Agro Crab? Uh, but Chase, you haven't been playing a game by Agro Crab, obviously. What have you no. been up to? I have been playing a game called Danganronpa. I've been playing the series Danganronpa, but the game we're going to talk about today is the first one, Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. It is a murder mystery game, and I'm going to start... Here's the pitch, Walter. You are a very normal, average high school student who is attending a school called Hope's Peak Academy. Hope's Peak Academy is designed for the brightest of the bright people who are the ultimate at what they do. You know, people like the ultimate baseball star. Uh, You've got the ultimate biker gang leader. You've got the ultimate affluent progeny. Like, all of these people who are just the best at their one thing all gather at this school so that they could become the nation's brightest people to lift up to. You won a raffle. Congratulations, you get to go to the school too as the ultimate lucky student. Um... But, you know, it's funny. When you walk into the school, you suddenly feel very dizzy. You pass out. And when you wake up, all of the windows are covered uh, in sheets of metal, bolted over the doors. Um, There is no escape that you can find. And when you are called into the gym for your introduction ceremony, you are greeted by what I can only describe to you as a demonic teddy bear who tells you that you are trapped here and the only way to get out is to successfully kill one of your classmates and get away with it after a class trial. If you succeed, you get to leave. If you fail, you die. And if you do get away with it, all of your former classmates die as well. Only one person's getting out of this alive, according to monokuma this demonic teddy bear so that's where we're starting are you with me so far i'm with you so far so (laughs) are you as the player character trying to kill someone and get away with it no you're the detective who tries to make sure that uh the rest of your friends well technically you're 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 the lucky student you have a, a friend who seems a little bit more adept at that whole detective angle um, that is uh, helping you out. But no, you're, you're the student that tries to be the moral compass that keeps everybody together, right? We don't have to give in to this killing game. We'll find a way out um, and trying to just kind of hold your head above water as things get more and more full of despair as more and more of these killings happen. And it is your job to solve each of these mysteries over the course of an investigation phase in a class trial phase. And the class trial is what makes this series work. Because there have been other mystery games out there. The Phoenix Wright games are great, and I enjoy them for what they are. But the thing about the Phoenix Wright games that I think ultimately limits them to a certain extent is that there really is only one method of play. You're going to be at a trial. There's the defendant or or whoever it is that's up on the stand. 
is going to say things, you're going to find something they said that is wrong, and you're going to present evidence to make it clear that they are wrong. And over the course of doing that, you will uncover the villain, right? In this game, you have uh, the entire, uh, like, it, it starts with something like a debate phase and everyone's talking. But instead of just correcting somebody, you shoot the incorrect statement with a gun. And the bullet in the chamber is the piece of evidence that directly counters what it is that they are trying to do. You've got the, the hangman's gambit, which is where you essentially play a game of fancy hangman uh, for a bit in order to uncover a clue that has previously been unrevealed to the rest of your classmates. There is a bullet time battle in which you have to try to talk down somebody who is refusing to listen to reason, either because they are the person who did it and trying not to admit it, or because they are someone who does not want to accept that the person who did it is the one who actually committed the crime. And it becomes like this rhythm game where you have to uh, be shooting down the arguments that they are making in time with the music. Um, and at the end, you make a closing argument, which is a comic book. You put a comic book together, Walter, based on the clues of, of what you've just unraveled, getting the right image into the right spot so that you can reveal to everyone the crime that was committed exactly as it went down. This is so much more dynamic. Uh, it's so much more interesting to have those various ways of interacting with the same mystery to try to come to a, a conclusion with it. Um, and it's to me, that it, it keeps it feeling fresh. It keeps me interested in pushing forward um, in addition to the fact that the mysteries in general are all pretty good. Um, I, I say pretty good because the second game happens and those are even better, but this is the first game. It's establishing kind of the, the universe and how these things work and kind of what expectations are, but each case has real character to it. Um, before every case, Monokuma, the demonic teddy bear, uh, gives people a motive, an extra reason why they need to commit that murder. Maybe it's that uh, you've received a video in which the people that you care about appear to have been killed or, or, or seriously wounded or something terrible has happened to them. And, oh, you better get out so that you can, uh, you know, take care of those people. But you can only do that if you murder. Um, or it could be, hey, here's $10 million to the person who does it. Or I'm going to reveal your deepest, darkest secret to everyone in the world if you don't commit a murder within the next 24 hours. And inevitably, somebody takes the bait every time. Um, there's this real balance between hope and despair with Makoto, the protagonist, the lucky student, trying to maintain hope despite a bleak situation, and Monokuma trying to bring despair and seeming to revel in the misery that all of this causes. And for the record, if you get it correct, uh, the punishment scenes in which the guilty party is executed are wild. Uh, the animation is insane. Um, they are all karmically uh, designed to like be directly responding to uh, that person's ultimate ability. So I'm, I'm being careful about what I do and do not spoil here because this is a mystery game and so much of the mystery game 
uh, kind of falls apart if you know who did the, the murders. Um, but all of these, uh, these are really well executed, especially the third case. Uh, the third case has a little bit of a locked room puzzle angle to it. And even when you figure out how it happened, it's so tragic. It really gets you. Um, it's either the third or fourth case. It's the locked room puzzle. People will know which one it is when they get there. Um, but it's, it's very Japan. It's very ridiculous. But it is incredibly engaging throughout. Yeah, I I would say I've seen on Twitch uh streamers play this series before. Now, I didn't really like pay much attention to it cuz it's not really my cup of tea. Uh but yeah, it absolutely screams like Japanese uh video game tropes. Um I will say that the 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 bear gives me a lot of like uh happy tree friends vibes when I've seen <laughs> it. Um which I guess makes sense considering that's the He's the sort of jigsaw of these games. What I I kind of know your like tastes and and whatnot, but what really like drew you to wanting to play this game and this series in particular? Well, I love mystery games because I love solving a good puzzle. I I love uh, reading. Uh, you know, is is something that I do have that whole masters in English that I very rarely get to flex nowadays. Um, and I and I love storytelling, and so I I love. The idea of a game that allows me to solve puzzles in a way that feels both fair and satisfying when I get it right, um, that allows me to really connect to a lot of characters. I'm very character-driven in the narratives that I like. And there's free time in between cases in which you can pick who you want to talk to and you get to understand more of their backstory and what motivates them and you know why they're here and... and really come to, to better understand them in a way that makes it so much more tragic when they kill someone and or get killed themselves, you know? Um, it, it does a really good job of setting an atmosphere. And, and to me, when I'm looking for a, a mystery game and I'm looking for something that I can really sink my teeth into, uh, I'm looking for something that can keep me captivated from both a narrative and a gameplay perspective. And the meta-narrative going throughout all of this, right, is that you're trying to figure out how the hell it got to this situation in the first race, right? Like, first of all, who's Monokuma? Second of all, why are there all these metal plates all over everything? Third of all, every time you finish a case, a new floor opens up, which only adds more mysteries. Like, huh, it sure seems like uh, some fucked up things happened here well before the beginning of this game. Uh, as per the blood all over this particular room we just so happen to have walked into. Um, coming to figure out the tragedy of Hope's Peak Academy is brilliant. And the twist at the end is... Oh my god. It's just... It's one of those things where even if you manage to see the first part of it coming... I think the second part will still get you um, because it is such a beautifully tragic, again, despair being the key here, um, revelation in which it really feels like all of this 
never needed to happen at all, actually. And the, when you realize why, it's just like, oh, my heart, my, 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 I feel so bad for all of these people who have died um, for what may or may not be much of a cause at all. Um, I, I just, there's so many layers to it and there's so many things about it that uh, keep you engaged, even when you figured out a couple of these individual elements. And uh, it's a world that is created that you finish the first game and you're like, oh shit, well, the second game is out because I'm playing this game a decade after it originally appeared. I just jumped right on in and I played through that second game real quick as well. Um, I'm taking my time a little bit on the third game, uh, but uh, I, I think that it, it says a lot about Trigger Happy Havoc as a game that uh, while that, you know, things like the Hangman's game that maybe could have been a bit sharper and while not all of the mysteries were quite as strong as that uh, locked room puzzle one that I mentioned, um, you're always engaged and you're always interested to see what comes next. And I, I think that that's all you can really ask for in a mystery game. I think that's entirely reasonable. I as That's the one thing about any type of media that sort of relies on a mystery, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, a TV show, uh, uh, a video game. If the mystery isn't good, if there isn't something to hook you in and care about what's going on, you have no real desire or reason to follow through and uh, and see what the ending is. And it's it's wonderful that that there was enough to the mystery that it kept pulling you and kept pulling you and kept pulling you in for the ultimate payoff of of the ending that sounds very very kind of intense and um and like a a good kind of draw into them wanting you to play the rest of the series uh but chase i have one more question for you and i i yes. think all of us know that you have a name uh who was the student that you killed in high school the student that i killed in high school no, I'm joking. I, I'm joking. Obviously, you never would have killed anyone in high school. Uh, who's oh, your God, favorite thanks. character? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, uh, I'm i glad that my secret hasn't been revealed in a publicly available space. Um, yeah, look, my favorite character, I think, of this particular one has to be Monokuma. Monokuma is absolutely buck wild. Um, just the craziest off the walls there's so much like uh fourth wall breaking every night when you go to bed um he does like this monokuma theater thing in which he talks directly to the audience in this kind of absurdist comedy bent um he's having so much fun with all of the horrible things happening to your characters and it seems you know monokuma seems aware very much of like you know, we as players are engaged. We want the murders to keep happening because we want the game to proceed and we want to get to the next case that we're super interested in. And Monokuma is also very excited for these murders to keep happening. Um, and it, the uh, person who is behind Monokuma is also a fucking blast. Uh, I am uh, going to be a little bit careful because I don't want to spoil anything. For people who are listening to this and want to play it because you should it's great um but i 
I, I, the, the idea of someone who gets bored so easily that they change their personality within a couple sentences of the last thing that they said, and that whole boredom is the whole reason that they've decided to just drive all of these uh, innocent high school students into despair is just perfect. It's perfect. It's a blast. It's a villain that is so easy to love and so memorable. Um, and it's a, a reason that um, those of you who have do know what I'm talking about uh, know how often this character is cosplayed because they've just made an impact beyond even just uh, this game themselves. I'm also going to add, Walter, um, that I have a least favorite character. Oh, fantastic. My least favorite character is Hifumi Yamada. Hifumi is the ultimate fanfic creator. And I feel like you know exactly why this character sucks from that description alone. He is interested solely in women of the 2D variety, as he is very want to tell you. He is, you know, the incredibly uh, overweight, sweaty, nerdy guy with the, the circular glasses and the weird spike on his head. It's, it's just, it's very clearly meant to be a joke. Um how much of a loser this guy is but the problem is that you have to spend time with this loser you know like you can't get away if like it's just so um if you don't have patience for otakus in real life uh he is the ultimate of that it is just that taken to its natural extreme and that not something that i necessarily needed very much of in my life um, the other character that's kind of a joke is uh, Yasuhiro Hak uh, Hagakure, who's the ultimate clairvoyant because his predictions are right approximately 30% of the time. Like, that guy is a joke, and I have my problems with him in some of the uh, individual scenes that you get. But, like, there's some fun to be had in a psychic that only seems to succeed in predicting the alternate ending rather than uh, how things are actually going to come down. But there is no joy to be found with Hifumi Yamada. There is just cringe and frustration and gross. Um, so you're saying, I, you're saying that uh, you would have uh, succeeded in killing one of your classmates and it would have been him? I am saying if I was in that situation and I made the choice to murder because one of these motives really got to me, it would 100% have been him. Absolutely. Uh, he would not have been missed. And the only reason that my classmates would have eventually tracked me down is because they're very good at this whole uh, solving crimes thing. And uh, I, I think that uh, they don't want to die. Because again, if you don't solve the crime, everyone but the person who committed the murder dies. So everyone has a reason to get along and figure that out. Um, I do want to say this is a series, Danganronpa, that very much is about the duality of hope and despair. And I think that while there's a lot of darkness I talked about in the ending, it is also worth noting that it ends on an optimistic tone. The idea of moving forward anyway, despite everything that happened over the course of the game. And I, I think that the series does a very good job of recognizing the importance of that. Um... It gets darker in the second game, but that darkness maybe makes the hope even brighter. 
we'll see what uh what y'all think uh, when I talk about that one two weeks from now because I this is my life I have I have been captivated by this series I have started dreaming about this series. Uh, it has ruined my sleep schedule because <laughs> turns out dreaming about murder mystery night, uh, you know, not the healthiest thing to try to uh, to take care of right before you go to bed. But also the cases are so gripping that you want to just get to it when you can. And I have a job. I only have time to play at night. Sorry, brain. Get used to it. Um, it sounds it sounds like you're subconscious and you're... Uh... Maybe your internal guilt is uh, telling you you should admit to who you killed in high school. I will take that secret to my grave. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you after the show. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> That's for Walter's ears only. <laughs> I couldn't live with the suspense. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but yeah, uh, if it wasn't clear, I do recommend this game. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, your tolerance for it, I think more than Phoenix Wright is a little bit proportional to your tolerance for uh, anime and kind of the, the Japanese style of, of games. Uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, but the things that, about it that I dislike are far outweighed by the things about it that work. And so much of it works. And it is the stepping stone for which an even greater game uh, can shine and one that you have to do in order to understand everything that that game has to offer. So um, highly recommend it for people who like mystery games. And especially if you're somebody who enjoys anime and that side of things, you're going to find even more to love than the average person. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you to, you know, tell us about the, the second game in the series and what they change, what they improve on, if the mysteries kind of hold up. I, I guess you already said that they, they did and far exceeded it. So I'm excited. Like I said, I've seen the series before. Um, it's not something I would ever touch because I'm just, I'm not into those kinds of games, period. Um, so it's nice to kind of see it through the lens of, of a very close friend and someone that I trust their opinion. Yeah, I'm happy to share it here. And I, I hope that uh, the people listening are excited for me to keep gushing about this series because uh, I'm going to keep gushing about this series. Um, but we will save that for next time, Walter. But for now, where can the nice people at home find you? Uh, as always, you guys can find me uh, at C80s underscore LOL. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know I've kind of been away from the streaming thing for the last few weeks because I've been playing League. We'll see. I will try to get back on it, or at the very least, I'm probably going to commit to when I do play the games I talk about on here, uh, at least recording them so that if people are interested, they can at least see, you know, me playing the game and, you know, maybe I'll do some like quick mashups of some stuff. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, if When that happens, you'll find it at Rough Drafts Pod, uh, which is the uh, account for all of our uh, different shows. Um there is, of course, Final Cut, which comes out the alternating weeks from this show, for those of you who enjoy movies. Of course, if you want to hear what I have to say about things, you can find me at Chase Walsner on Twitter. And you know, you've inspired me, Walter. I may end up doing a little bit of streaming myself, because I have gotten really into Super Auto Pets. And Super Auto Pets is a great game that will never make sense to talk about on this show, 
but that I am very excited to be playing more of in my kind of intermediary time for lunch breaks for people who uh, maybe would be interested in short streams. So let me know if you're interested in that. Uh, Let us know what you think and join us two weeks from now when we talk about the new games that we will have been playing. But until then, goodbye, Internet.